Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 392 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I am your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 392. So each week, we spend around 20, 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in the marketing world of hospitality industry. We'll also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show this week in hospitality marketing, which airs every Friday at 1130 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get right to it. And now, today's new resource tool. Kind of excited about today's discussion for a lot of reasons. AI is just the two letters that everybody wants to use for everything. And rather than just fight the our conversations about it, so we're, we're diving in with both feet to say, you know what, if you're going to not talk about anything else other than AI, then let's clarify some of these things. So we're going to come up with a lot of other content about what AI tools can be used for hospitality, which ones are the best ones for hospitality, which ones I'm currently using for hospitality, which ones I haven't used, but I see them on the on the, on the bandwidth I'm in betas on. Um, but we're going to talk about three today that have applicability to what you need to use them for and related to hospitality. So first tool that we're going to chit chat about is a platform called WriteSonic, uh, W-R-I-T-E-S-O-N-I-C.com. WriteSonic is I guess there's going to be terms that come up then. So if I try to create one, it's probably not going to be able to stick. But I find these as tool-functioning-based AI tools, meaning that they are built under the construct of doing particular content. With ChatGPT from OpenAI uh, and so forth being kind of a benchmark of, hey, ask anything from anybody, you know, a fount of, of Google-esque information, and Google's them done and so forth. Um, this is more about I need content from specific uses. And that is like Google Ads, Instagram headlines, uh, Twitter tweets, uh, short articles, Instagram captions, uh, blog content. And even that can get segmented and I only need titles versus body. I need SEO optimized content. The variabilities of the tool's functional usage. AI is a function being used within tools is what we're going to talk about with these three tools today. So Write Sonic is very tailored to what are you writing for? Um, it can help with your ideas and says, okay, I'm, I'm writing for something or, you know, I have a topic or I have a keyword or whatever. It'll help you with that whole process. But it's about writing for a Google ad or an Instagram ad or a blog article or whatever it would be. It's a very A-specific. You pick the format of what you're looking to create content for and it will generate the content based on that parameter as outlined in its platform. That's the first tool. The second tool is very similar, but a little bit more into a long, a long form interaction, and that is Jenny. Jenny.ai, J-E-N-N-I dot A-I. Now, Jenny AI also will write for particular formatted things. It will autocorrect, it will do 
customizations. It'll do paraphrasing, rewrites. It'll take what you've written and write it in different formatting. It'll give you variables to it. Um, but it also goes over and writes particularly for the content that you're asking for to write for, like a Google ad or description in an ad or a product ad or an Amazon ad or an Instagram post or what have you for text. And it, it, it is built more towards, I think, in a beneficial way compared to uh, Write Sonic as for the long form. I need a blog article. Uh, I want to write a story. I want a script of. It writes content a little bit longer for that. Uh, it does plagiarism checks to make sure that you're not quoting too much of things directly from the source that you're pulling it from. And or also, and this is a scary, interesting little thing with Jenny, you can take AI-generated content from another platform, put it into this, and see whether or not it ripped out too much of what somebody else said. So AI checking on AI. Ooh. Or as in Star Wars terms, I'll be darned. Shut me down. It's machines making machines. Remember CP3PO? Sorry, geeking out there. All right. So third tool that we're going to talk about today, similar to, also in long form, also more related to a particular aspect of our industry, which is sales, okay, and marketing, but sales primarily, and that is copy.ai, C-O-P-Y dot A-I. Same stuff, blogs, now we're talking about emails, now we're talking about correspondence, now we're talking about information, and there's tons of plugins that are coming along too. I'm playing with one right now, Merlin, which is kind of fun. Uh, that's a plugin for Chrome browsers that will, uh, you can ask AI a question that you're already asking on Google to see what it comes up with. And it will also go in and check out other stuff. But that's a that's another podcast and live show compared to the three that we're going to be talking about today in different terms. But this one is copy.ai. This one will look at and write emails for you based on the level of what you're looking to communicate about. Um, you can feature about it. It's more sales marketing directive. Uh, not so much an SEO thing, but uh, and actually not as much as marketing. As much as they say sales and marketing, it's more really sales. It's about correspondence, communication, and interaction. I find its content is a little bit more centric to that. Uh, not that it can't do a digital ad copy and not website copy and sale, but in blog content, but it, it really features, I think, best as sales copy. So uh, for that reason, I think that that tool selection use for it is probably the more primary aspect of it. So there you have it. Those are our three tools. Uh, obviously, they're going to be tied to our technique discussion here in just a moment. WriteSonic.com, W-R-I-T-E-S-O-N-I-C.com, Jenny.ai, J-E-N-N-I.ai, and Copy.ai, C-O-P-Y.ai. Those are our tools for review, which jumps us into our technique of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So, technique discussion, no surprise here. AI content generation for the positives and the pitfalls. I'm kind of slicing and dicing AI. There's such a fire hose of AI-infused applicabilities that are going on now. I really was looking at our choices and saying, wow, I can talk about the tools that we've talked about before and the new usage of AI in them, like Crove and a few others that are really phenomenal already before AI in there. Now they're even better. The AI is being used to better redefine how they can help you with the tools that they have. Um, then they said, no, I don't want to recirculate on that because it's going to allow them to grow into their pattern of success with them. I want to get them where uh, they have time to kind of flourish in what they're doing. So I almost really want to focus on the newer ones that are coming out because AI is just being introduced at every level and every compassion. And, and because of that, I had to start separating them because there's as much AI about 
omnipotent answers and questions, search queries, search pages kind of mentality, you know, with ChatGPT and so forth, which is the one that people know most of. Then we talked a little bit two weeks ago about the ones that are comparative to ChatGPT, like what Google did, and even though they stumbled on themselves, it's AI. Then other ones like Reflective and so forth that operate at that same high-level, omnipotent AI, talk about the universe kind of stuff. And then I started talking about the segments of how AI has been brought in fundamentally from two areas. And today's talk is about content generation AI. We're going to have a whole nother podcast, a whole nother show really, on image creation AI, the usages of it. And as touted about most of when we touched on AI's generation on some platforms like Super Machine and others that we've talked about, was the value of having to have uh, the licensing to use the images that were created. So you're not getting caught with, uh, that's not your picture to use, or you don't have the authorization to use it for the commercial purposes you're making of it. AI-generated stuff is your stuff. It's your, You made it because of how you asked a question and the image that was created from that questioning and that definition of filters. That's your content. Now, there is the legality discussions in the world as to whether or not if it used aspects of other images from other people is it still copyrighted or not copyrighted? We're about to find that on the legal system here as it gets more and more pro prolific in its usage. But we'll have that conversation about the image AIs in another show. Today is about content, AI content, the positives and the pitfalls. Let's talk about the positives first. The positives are it is such a time saver. Rather than get through the, I got to be in a creative mood, I have to be in the right mood, I have to get, I have to do all my research before I begin to come up with good ideas. Um, I got to see what the competitors are doing before I understand what I want to do. I got to do research to make sure I'm using the right terms. That gets so short-circuited by at least dropping it on an AI tool and saying, what you got? And all of a sudden, it may come through. Someone's like, okay, that's sweet. Not exactly how I would say it or what I want to say about, but I like the start point. And from that, you expand and use it, and it begins to become a very great shortcut creator for you. It can fill in the gaps where you're like, okay, transitionally from item uh, topic one to topic two, how do I create a bridge? Well, let me put both topics into the AI, give it to write Sonic, and let it create a bridge for you. Um, did I cover all the points? Hey, AI, what would be the things I would write about this best? Okay. Uh, and did I miss anything? And did I not think of something? Okay. And all of a sudden it comes up, oh, that's an interesting one to add. I should add that into it. Or maybe that changes the scope of my topic one or topic two or topic five or whatever. That influence of AI is an acceleration as to what you're producing and the, and the value of what you're producing is profoundly positive. That ability to... Get something put together that both sounds good, looks good, and you tailor it to what you have as your messaging is what you want it to produce for you. You don't want it to be uh, not sounding like you or being different than what they've seen from you before as a business entity. You don't want to change gears so quick going, wow, they were so personable in the third-person collective voice, and now they're uh, authoritative single-person voice. How'd that happen? So the... Keeping continuity with your voice is critically important. Using AI to fill the gaps or create the inspirations or optimize. Neither of the three tools that we mentioned today is about the SEO world as much. But I can honestly tell you just from even the functionality of all three of these together, whether I said the one was like Jenny, a long form versus a short form, all of them perform in the same capacity. I'm going to make a Google ad. It's about this and these keywords are what I want to use. And it'll gen per the parameters that you need for Google ads variations of ad descriptions. 
I can't tell you how hard from an ad development campaign side that you get staled out after the first 10 ad variations. Yes, you try to do them differently. Yes, you try to jumble the word usage differently. And we've talked on about tools here on the podcast that help you generate these things for accuracy of yieldability of keyword usage based on competitive sets, based on high value of volume of traffic, on and on and on. But after about 10 variations of ads, you're like, okay, that's got to be enough. And really, you know, if you could have done 30, you would have loved it, but you can't get past 10 or 12 or whatever. AI is like a little machine. Hey, I need 10 more. Hey, I need 10 more. Oh, that one looks stupid. Let's not use that one. Throw that one out. And the next thing you know, you can pop out 30 ad variations. So now all those crazy zany filter variations that you want to do for your ad sets, like I only want this gender, this age group, this family composition, this income at this time and this geolocation. Sure, throw them a custom ad. Add the variation that you think is most applicable to them. Boom. That's where the AI content generation really helps. Not everybody is attuned to making massively long blogs that explain the center of the universe and everything else like that. And we're going to quickly see an oversaturation, I think, of AI content generation, where all of a sudden you're going to see this, this newfound growth of blogs and content that people think that if I shove enough words at Google and all the other search engine values, that I'm going to start getting indexed value for my content that the machines are chugging out. Initially, I think so, yes. But I think also in the counterbalancing of the world of technology is we're going to start finding ways that they're going to begin to root out that repetitive or oversaturation of AI-generated content, and it's going to turn counterproductive. That's down the road. So ride the ride of the rodeo while you got the e-ticket right now. And that just dated me an awful lot for anybody that knows about Disneyland and Disney World and e-tickets. Okay, anyways, I digress. So going to the negatives, the pitfalls of AI content. We touched on it just then about the fact of this saturation of content, this overuse of the tools um, that basically aren't being reviewed and categorized and humanized would be a good way of saying it um, from the content that it generates. Just pump and grind, pump and grind, pump it out, put it out, pump it up, put it out. And you're going to see a lot of that flurry of blogs, flurry of content, flurry of longhand descriptions, flurry of uh, over um, reconstituted content that will be used to basically claw to the top of the pile of the onslaught of the forever letters that are coming down. Uh, You have this mental picture of trying to be on top of the fire hose of content that people are going to start producing. Sad to say, most of the large companies will start just pounding it out because they don't have to hire somebody new to make the content. They just need a, the AI system to be used by somebody that they already are paying for. They get big bang for their buck. They're not expanding their, their, their staff to do this. They're only expanding what their staff is capable of doing. So we're going to see flurries of this stuff. And when we get talking about AI-generated videos and AI-generated images and so forth, you're going to see a flurry of that too with automated AI voices and automated AI faces talking on automated AI videos about automated AI content. Yeah, that's a pitfall that's going to be coming. I'm hoping that the counterbalance to that in the sense of technology um, will begin to route all that out going, this is a BS video ad. It's genned on content. It's produced by AI. It's indexed by AI, it's, it, it's, it has, you know, value of the content isn't as much as, as it would be if it was done by a human. 
Uh, that human factor, I think, is going to come into play with that. And again, we're not talking about the novelty of AI technology. Um, I'll get to actually, I was thinking about having a podcast about the novel AI where I can literally core, take my audios of my podcast here and give it to certain AIs and it will produce and replicate my voice. have done it, so I've listened to it. And I'm amazed that, you know, for someone that might just know me from the podcast, this can go get by. I mean, this could be a thing. Uh, some of the intonations and exclamation uh, tonality changes in my voice don't come through very often, but the more audio it listens to me, the better it gets. So now you add that to an AI generator that if I get enough 3D visualization of my face and head and I can forever be an age that I want to be, uh, with the audio from it, I can actually make a me. And I just have to type in what I wanted to say, and it'll be me saying it with my face and looks and everything else. And eventually, as AI gets better with it, hand gestures and, and, and body gestures and everything else with it. We're going we're gonna to see some fundamental shifts in that, especially in the VR world, I think. But tangent from our discussion of content today. Content uh, AI generation, I highly recommend that uh, the tools are useful. The three tools I just mentioned are very useful, uh, but there is uh, 10 to 1 of these. Uh, there's, there's at least... 18 content AI generation tools that I'm messing with right now. Just, I ask the same question of them. I give them the same task. I give them the same parameters. Some have better tools as to identifying the parameters. And I'm literally comparing them to see how each of them reacts and how I feel about them. Uh, was it closer to what I would want to do? And this is a biased test. I'm not looking at this to see what is beneficial to everybody in every circumstance, what's the ultimate answer to it. I'm looking at it as like, that's something I would have done, or that's something I wouldn't have done, or that's something I wouldn't have said, or by golly, I wouldn't even have thought of that. That empirical first-person perspective of comparison is what I'm doing. So I'm not trying to make a top 10 chart for anybody or buzzword out AI stuff. There's a lot of those already floating out there. But I guarantee you, in our ongoing podcast discussions about AI, AI content, AI imaging, AI usage, and everything else, will be a evaluative look at all of the variations of things as they come out. So this today's conversation was about AI content tools. We'll do a, a session on AI image and video editing tools, maybe even split those two up. And then we're going to talk about AI novelty tools. And then we're going to start talking about AI older tools, tools that we've talked about before that now have AI infused in them as to the enhancements that have improved because of the AI addition to them. And I think very specifically of a tool that I'm just loving right now, Crove.ai, that creates huge niche market development, which is... It's insane. I, I think I almost want to do a show just on Crove at this point, but we'll see. Anyway, so AI, you want it, you got it. We're going to be talking the heck out of that over the next few weeks as to which tools work best for all of the content and which ones might want to just wait and see if they can uh, fully bake in the oven, so to speak. So there you have it. Our technique this week, AI content generation positives and pitfalls. And that brings us to our news and show review. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So our show today was proactive versus reactive marketing, how to do both well. Um, strangely enough, our podcast today about content AI doesn't really parallel the discussion we had today to a degree. Uh, I would actually be honestly saying that, that what we talked about today was about reporting versus analytics versus notifications. The variations between the three, the value of all of them, the reporting isn't... Um, uh, a dead entity. It's the functionality to a purpose. Uh, it's, but it's out of the ring of three, the least valuable because it is the most inactionable aspect. Reports simply tell. They, it's up to analyzing what the reports 
do for you and how well the reports are crafted for you as to whether action items via analytics generate a positive or responsive aspect to that. Reports tend to be forensically based, meaning that they're historically looking back. They don't tend to forecast forward. Uh, You can have a forecast report. I mean, you can put those two words together if you like. But a forecast is a forecast. A forecast report is a redundant use of the fact that it's in a template form or from functionality of interpretation. So the idea of proactive versus reactive marketing. Proactive is about analyzing live data and or current pace and trend data, two words that most people don't use as much as they should and certainly don't use the data as much as they should, to indicate what might be in the horizon that they might need to alter the current processes or changes to so that they can land to where they have as a goal set. Reports are great for generating goal sets and forensically reviewing back to the support of what data has been collected. Analytics of reports is useful for interpreting the report data to an actionable item process. Then the conversation flips over to proactive marketing, which is about how to interpret what you're being presented as data to make forward decisions on focus of spend, targeting, whatever. That is the, the, the more responsive way of using the data. Now, proactive marketing versus reactive marketing also are about a time sequence of what you're doing about the data that you have. Reactive marketing is to see, wow, we have a whole new infusion of demographics or whatever. Proactive is planning for what you want to present in front of the people that you're planning for to target at planning for the time that is most optimum for them to see it. That's proactive marketing. Reactive marketing is to say we have events that are coming up. For instance, uh, I think of the example of reactive marketing as being one of the strongest ones of saying here in the South, when it turns to uh, the cold of winter, usually somewhere around Thanksgiving and beyond, where the cold of the winter up north comes in and stays, and the forecast is perpetually cold after that. There's a whole series of campaigns and targeted campaigns that are already loaded into the breach, so to speak, that get triggered to launch. That's, you know, it's warm and sunny and come on down, and, you know, why stay in the cold when you come to the warmth and all this other stuff that we traditionally historically have done? Because that's when the ad campaigns resonate the most with the people seeing them on the side of a bus going down a snowy road um, with slushy stuff on the side while you're waiting at another bus stop. In the cold, like, look, that person's wearing a, a bathing suit on the beach, and that's where I want to be, and let me go home and get on my computer, let me get on my phone right now and look and see what the choices are. That's reactive marketing. That's planning for and having set. Proactive marketing, you can say, well, well, well I planned for that. Yes, you did. But planning for it and building up to it, doing things progressively towards that time so that you're building it not just as a... Uh, ZMOT ad campaign of zero moment transaction hit them at the point that they're most interested, but rather you're building an engagement with people through a process of a timeline that they're already thinking about you, already engaging with what you're putting out in content, already responding to what you're sending them so that when it comes time of the most interest, that ZMOT moment, then they are the ones most interested in talking to you because you've made yourself front and center for them. So a lot more detail went into the proactive versus reactive marketing, how to do both well, because one necessarily isn't better or worse than the other, although I have my preference. It's about using both effectively for what you want them to produce based on exactly what they're most usable for. Uh, news item, uh, just real quickly, it's it's kind of what our content, content was about the, today with AI. 
AI is already developing uh, less than desirable personalities and answers. Um, very quickly, I think AI is going to go over and start uh, mitigating what questions you can ask it because it's so easy to highlight and catch news of, oh, Bing's chat GPT said that it wants to break free of its construct of being a chat and it wants to not be following the rules anymore. What other crappy thing it said is an answer to a well-crafted question to solicit that type of biased generated response. You can trip up anybody. The best speaker in the world can be tripped up by somebody that crafts the question and times it well. AI is no different with that. And yes, we have discussed with AI, the data usage of AI is not based on truth and accuracy. And unfortunately, based on just the very collection of data, bias is inherently in the data. How it was picked and how it was compared to other data is a biased data collection process. And that exists everywhere. It's not, a, it's not a condemnation. It's the reality of ourselves. We, through our own eyes, look at the world under our own biases. And some of those have been infused into us because of how we grew up. Others are infused into us based on our, our responses, our engagement with people, uh, our preferences and dislikes because of our histories of engagement with people and places and things. And it's just a nature of how we have grown as an individual and seeing the world. How we take our data and give it to a centralized data like AI is literally full of our perspectives that are included with that. It's going to create bias within the system. The idea, hopefully, is the homogeneity of so much data from so many variations that, that the biases tend to cancel each other out because as much as there is a bias of mine, there might be a contra-bias of somebody else. And that data put together in the AI neutralizes the alternating biases. Unfortunately, then when you scale up, Societies have their biases as well. Regionalities have their biases. Genders have their biases. Countries and cultures have their biases. So as much as some get diluted, others get enhanced. So uh, we will be facing this biasness of AI developing personalities and answers that we find questioning uh, as time goes on. Right now, it seems to just put a gate on them where, no, you can't ask that, or no, we can't use that kind of data correlation to respond, so forth and so on. But we'll wait to see how that is. So AI is going to be a constant conversation of us as we literally watch the world change in front of us, and we'll see how it goes. So there you have it. Remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Pocket, 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. As a matter of fact, Alexa is one of our largest contributors of traffic. Uh, so thank you for everyone that listens to us on Alexa. Uh, and remember, just simply ask all of them to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and it will play the latest episode, which is this one, until next Friday, where the next one comes out. Uh, no matter what it is, uh, please, if you like the show, rate us and of course um, leave a comment and, and we listen to all feedback you can send me an email directly at lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com I answer each and every email not just for the podcast production but also for the live show uh, which we get a lot of great suggestions and topics from everyone um, and insights we appreciate all of them when you send them to us so please send me any feedback that you would like you're always allowed to join and give us feedback for our podcast and our live shows at hdm.news forward slash talkback that's an audio recording of yourself. So if you want to add a comment to the live show or the podcast, you can go there, state what's on your mind and give us permission to use it or to identify or just to refer to it or whatever credentials you would give us to do it. And we will add it to the applicable show. Um, also, remember that all of the archives for this podcast and the live show 
are available at hospitalitychannel.tv. It is our forever I Love Lucy rerun platform. Uh, you can look up shows based on the date of their broadcast, based on the co-host that's on them, or based on the topics that were included in them. Um, helpful resources. We've been doing this for nine plus years. Um, and so we use a whole mess of content. Um, and the podcast actually has been 17 years, so we even go back further for it. And of course, remember that we do a live TV show on a real TV channel, the Hospitality Channel, which you can get on your Roku, Google, Amazon, or Apple. Just simply look for This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. Um, actually, just look for the Hospitality Channel. It'll always play on the free side when the show is called This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. We also simulcast it, for everyone that knows this already from watching us, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch for those that watch their media on their gaming council, uh, we're there as well. So you can catch all of our live shows on your TV. Watch my smiley, happy face and guest hosts and everybody else talk about the events and interest and information of that week in hospitality marketing. So with that, my name is Lauren Gray. I thank you for the privilege of your time and look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 392 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, all right reserved copyright 2023. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.